Impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence. My name is Steve Warner, and today... I am actually being interviewed for the second part of my story. Um, I'm joined by my good friend, Dove Gordon. Dove is going to interview me. He volunteered to do this. He, he It was his idea, and I actually thought it was genius. Um, Dove helps people build profitable partnerships, helps people attract the perfect client to them. Dove, I'm going to hand it over to you. You can tell them a little bit about yourself, and then we'll jump back into part two of this interview. Sure. So uh, I just, you know, I'm CEO of ProfitableRelationships.com. And uh, if anyone wants to get a better sense of what we're all about, you can head over there. Um, but I'm happy to give a gift to everybody here. We'll, we'll set this up after this and so that, that, the, that it works. But ProfitableRelationships.com forward slash Werner, W-E-R-N-E-R, as in Steve Werner. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a free copy of my manual called How to Systematically and Consistently Attract First-Rate Clients. And we sold that for five years for, for $100. And we'll give that away for free to your, your listeners. So How to Systematically and Consistently Attract First-Rate Clients. It's a, one of our, our favorite, uh, audience favorites. So, um, Shell, let's go back to, back to your story, Steve. So we, we covered a lot in that almost two-hour-long uh, first session from when you were a little boy uh, wanting, I, th- I think we talked about this, you know, wanting to, I don't remember all of it, <laughs> want, you know, wanting a pair of Air Jordans, right? Yeah. And needing a job, knocking on doors, getting comfortable doing things, waiting tables, making more money than your manager, right? Uh, traveling the world, uh, working at, in fine dining at the, it was, it was Ponderosa, I think. Well, Ponderosa wasn't fine dining. Ponderosa was a bottom end. Oh, that's like, right. Cheap steakhouse. That was in high school. But then I got <laughs> okay. to bail. You're right. You are correct. Bail. Yeah, I- that's right. No, no, I mixed. I mixed. I got mixed up. That's right. As I'm reading that and looking at my notes, I think I think I got that wrong. I think I mixed something up. That's right. Vale, of course. Vale, the ski resort, and um, and so many other things. People have to go back and listen to it. So this time, I want to find. I want to look at your core theme in your business today. And my understanding is your core theme has to do with one to many sales, meaning selling from one to many. I'm interested in, in, you know, kind of bridging the gap between your journey so far. Cause I, I don't know how you ended up doing what you're doing today. And, um, you know, what, what, what are some things you've learned about one to many sales that, that I can learn from and, and everybody listening as well. Sure. So yeah. Tell us about this transition. I mean, basically, so I was in Vail and I woke up one day and I was like, how did I get here? How did I start a business in college? I did the real estate stuff. I was like on this fast track entrepreneur, like rocket ship. And I instead like traveled, which was great. I love travel. And then ended up working in Vail. And I was like, and I climbed the ladder. I've, when I got started in fine dining, I was like, I'm just going to be a bartender. I'm just going to wait tables. It's easy. I can go home at the end of the day. But I think there's something in like the entrepreneur mindset. Um, I talk about this a lot. Like Michael Jordan always said, like, I want the ball at the end. I want the weight of the world on my shoulders. I want that pressure. It's what drives me to be the best. 
um, pretty much anyone who is successful as in an entrepreneur or anyone that rises to the top of anything says that. Well, I ended up saying that in restaurants through my actions, just by going from, I couldn't just sit by and let like bad processes happen. I couldn't let bad customer service happen. I couldn't let like restaurants are all about, I mean, anything is all about having systems. So I rose to the top in restaurants in management, but there's a, a pay ceiling that you hit that you're just really, as a, as a restaurant GM, you're not going to make more than, I would say a hundred, maybe 120 at the very like top zero, 2%. Right. And I was there. Um, so I looked around, I had gone to a Tony Robbins event and I didn't, I didn't come away from that event, like with a cut clear plan. I just knew like that looked like a lot of fun. And at the same time, I kind of read, I'd read the four hour work week a couple, couple years before. I think I read that in 2009, 2010. I remember Tim Ferriss's question, what would it look like if this was easy? And at the time I, I laughed at that question because I was like, well, if it was easy, I would just have all the money in my bank account. Since then, I've argued a lot with that question because I don't, I don't think that's what really he meant by it, or that's not the answer, right? What do we want? We want fulfillment. We want to feel like what we do makes a difference. Well, what would that look like? What would making a difference look like? And as I wrestled with this question from like the Tony Robbins event to there, I, I decided I'm going to hold live events. Like that looks like fun. I knew how to hold the live events from a back of the house point of view, like how to set up the curtains, how to set up the chairs, how to do all the planning and people management. And for some reason, I thought that is what an event was. So I moved to Las Vegas and I went down to Treasure Island. Um, so I sold everything in Vail, moved out of my super nice uh, ski side condo and moved to Las Vegas, um, rented a little apartment, um, nothing super fancy, a little one bedroom off the strip. It was, it was nice. It was plain. Um, but I was like, this will be fine. Like this will get me there six months from now, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire because that's what every person thinks. Um, yeah. So went down third day there and rented the biggest, uh, biggest ballroom that treasure Island had and proceeded to try to hold a live event. That was, that was the start of it. I don't know, like there, I mean, I can keep talking about that stuff, but the, what, well, ended what up was that mean? You tried, was that mean you tried to hold, proceeded to try to hold a live event? What did you do? And well, that's the results. That's what I want people to think. Like, how do you do that? Well, I yeah. had no idea. And I learned that like, you would think you would put a little bit, but more you thought thought. you had an idea. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's a really important point because, you know, again, we've discussed some of this before, but um, you thought that you knew what to do because in the past you had run many events like this ballroom type events, um, in, or at least some, right. You know, yeah. the corporate events at Vail. um, it didn't even occur to you that getting people in the room would be a challenge because you never had to deal with that. Correct. And, and it's remarkable. I think it's a really good example because so many of the problems or the obstacles that we all face moving forward in our own businesses, it's going to be things that we didn't even realize is going to be a thing. Well, that's, that's exactly, I mean, I literally thought like, oh, you just put a website up and people buy tickets. Like I didn't, sales to me 
growing up was never hard. Like we've walked through the whole thing, right? Like you knock on doors, you sell tickets, you give people what they want in restaurants. They're coming in. You just suggest things. They buy it. I thought, well, I put together the event. There will be people who will buy. And so I built the website and then I was like, oh, I have to drive traffic. And I did like, I bought a list because I was like, oh, I just need an email list. I'll go buy a list. So I went and bought a list. I emailed it. Um, this is a, I tell this story when I, when I talk about email, uh, the first email that I sent, I loaded up the list into an autoresponder. You can't do this today. Um, in 2014, they didn't check the autoresponders. So I uploaded a list of, I think it was about 60,000 and wrote an email and press send. Well, two things happened. The first is if anyone who knows me and is on my list, I'm, I'm dyslexic. And I don't spell very well. I have to physically actually like talk out loud when I'm typing and spell the words. It's kind of funny. Um, so that first email, I just assumed that it would be spell checked. It wasn't, uh, we ended up with, there were 27 misspelled words in the first email. Um, and that like, it was just bad. Right. Like, and then I got all these spam complaints. So I got that account shut down and I was like, oh, that didn't work. Um, I did end up selling one ticket to somebody from that list um, because they, they started a conversation with me. They said, there are so many misspelling words. And I wrote them back and said, well, I don't know how to spell very well, but it is a real event. That was one of the tickets that sold. Um, I, I just want to um, draw out a little bit more of this because you put on, you schedule this event. How many days was it going to be? It was a three-day event. I got 18 speakers. So it was a restaurant event. I was like, oh, I'll hold an event on restaurants because okay. that sounds like fun. And that was what I was passionate about at the time. I don't know if passion is the right word, but it's what I knew. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed great customer service. And it was something that lacks. It still lacks to this day in most mm -hmm. restaurants. Um, and I was like, I'll put on something around customer service. So I had five, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I know I had five chefs. I had a couple GMs of restaurants. I had service trainers. I had a couple wine sommeliers. Um, I had like people that were focused on this. And I thought it was the event that I would go to. That doesn't mean I knew how to sell it. So we, I mean, I set up websites. I spent all this money on advertising because I just, I just thought like you threw money at advertising and it worked, right? I assumed that people were in integrity. I, I was a little naive for sure. That event in the interest of time, I won't go through the whole thing here, but that event did not go well. Um, four weeks before the event, I had sold a total of two tickets, um, I was negative over $30,000 and I was on the hook for 125 K to treasure Island for the room block for food and beverage and for the event space. Um, and they, they called me in, they were just like, we need to have a meeting. I was like, Oh yeah, we definitely need to have a meeting. And I kind of knew how that meeting was going to go. Uh, I had a good idea. I was hoping, I mean, I just told them like, look, I did the best that I could. Um, if you guys want to sue me, you can sue me. I'll file bankruptcy. You won't get any money. And it's just going to be a pain in the ass. And they, they came back and agreed. Um, they held my deposit, which was a 5k deposit. I was really hoping that they would let me have that back. Um, because I had very little money in the bank. Like when you watch your bank account in a period of, it was about four and a half months. My bank account went from like 35,000 to a little under 3k. Um, at one point I was down to 500 and then I got some money that I was owed from something. You had no income. Up. Yeah. Oh, zero income. 
zero. Well, when I left my, when I moved there, 30K, especially in 2014, that's probably like 60K today. Like I was like, oh, this is going to be fine. And as soon as I started selling tickets, because I rented a space for 1500 people. So I had done the math. I was like 1500 people. They're going to pay, you know, $500 for a ticket. This is going to be great. I'm going to make all this money, blah, 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 blah. Like these are the stories that go in their head. And I think every entrepreneur has these dreams of grandeur when they get started. Because if we wouldn't, we wouldn't have anything driving us, right? We all want to this is something I want to call out. Like we all want to change people's lives. We all want to have impact hundred percent. We also want to make money. And if money is not on the same level as that, like I have this argument, I had this argument actually with, with somebody, um, in JVMM. So not, I wouldn't call it an argument. It was a discussion. Impact is a driver, right? If you could see the screen, I'm like holding them, but money has to be at least on the same level as impact, because if not, you will not make enough money in your business to sustain yourself and you'll feel burnout. This is where life coaches, like I've worked with several coaches, right? And they're charging $50. It's like, how many people do you have to coach? Uh, one of my ex-girlfriends was, this was her. She, $50 a session. Um, how many people do you have to take care of in a month to make, to make ends meet, right? So you're paying taxes on that $50. So really you're making 30 bucks. So how many, what was the other side, the other side to this uh, discussion of what, what do you of, mean? You know, you're, you're taking this position that, that, that making money has to be a value as well. It has to be my, they said impact was the most important thing. If you just focus on having impact, the money will follow. Mm-hmm. And my argument internally in your head there, everybody wants to have impact. I, I, I can't, I don't believe that you can be an entrepreneur, especially in like information, marketing, coaching, Mm -hmm. consulting without wanting to have an impact. My argument is that you at least have money. The drive to make income has to be at least as strong as the impact. I think they need to be, I think, Honestly, I think money has to be a little bit higher than impact because if not, if impact is higher, you will price your things lower. You will do things for free that you should be charging for and you will never, ever. I think that's where most people are. Their impact is here. And they're like, if on a scale of one to 10, their impact is at like a seven and eight and their make money is at like a five or six. So when push comes to shove, you do stuff for free. You give your time away. You don't, you don't structure your business correctly. and you don't make any money and then like you end up burning out, right? There are a lot of people. I mean, I've been in this game for eight years. I've seen people, most people last about a year. Maybe they last a year and a half on the, on, I call it the struggle bus. They're on that bus of I'm charging 50 or hundred or 200 bucks. I'm trying to sell low ticket items and they're making like a thousand, maybe $2,000 a month. And at that rate, like, it's really hard to get by and some people do it either. They have a spouse supporting them or they had some money somewhere. A lot of people dig into the 401. You have to take it seriously. It has to be, you know, um, it has to be something that you realize that, that it's necessary to keep going. And it's also necessary to want to keep going in most cases. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can go. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's stay focused on your, on your journey here. So you had this, this um 
this event. It was uh, the, the, the hotel called you in for a meeting. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, you you are correct. Let's bring this back full circle. The uh, the hotel calls me in. We have a discussion. It's my job to take us off track, <laughs> take us onto a tangent, and then bring us back when I feel it's ready. Perfect. Um, so I end up walking out of the hotel office. And at this point, I've got, I don't know, maybe two grand, 2,500 to my name. Um, I have one credit card with a 3K limit on it. And I'm sitting at the bar, in the frog bar in Treasure Island. And uh, like I could hear all the slot machines behind me, they're like ching, 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 and money pouring out of them. I heard some, I remember this like scream of some woman who won playing craps. I don't know what she won, but she was going nuts at the crap table, which is probably 20 feet away from this bar. And I had a drink. I had a hot fudge sundae that I couldn't eat. I had one friend who came down there with me and uh, they, they are now um, successful. Uh, they've had two software exits, um, multiple, multiple millions of dollars. Um, they were sitting there with me at the bar. At the time they had done okay. They owned their business. They were, they were doing fine, uh, but they hadn't had their exits yet. But they said, I was sitting there and she said, you know, what do you want to do? Because I had, I had offers on the table from headhunting companies that wanted me to come back into the restaurant business. And I had this other side of like, I really wanted to hold this event, but I just like, I just felt crushed. And she said, what do you want to do? You know, what do you, what do you really want to do? And I said, you know what? Those restaurant offers will always be there. I can always do that again. Um, I really want to do this. And I think like, I think about Michael Jordan. I think about like other, I, I didn't play basketball that much growing up, but I guess it goes back to the shoes maybe. Um, but I think about like him getting, him getting cut from his high school team and then that pushing him. And I feel like every entrepreneur has had that where we just get smacked down and it just like, it makes you angry and excited and invigorated all at the same time. And that's where I was. And I was like, I just don't know. And she said, well, look, we have, we have a spare room. Um, it's not very big, but you can come stay with us for a couple months. So you get on your feet and figure out what you want to do. But our requirement is that if you're going to stay with us, you have to work on your business. Like you can't float around. You can't play video games. Not that I, I really would have anyway, but you have to focus. And she was like, if you want to do that, you can stay with us. So I took her up on that. Um, I still have a picture on my phone the, of the room. So we went down to the thrift store, got like a bed, got some stuff uh, for a couple hundred bucks. And I started going to the library. I just started reading. I, I knew nothing about marketing. So I checked out a half of the marketing department at the Las Vegas Public Library. Um, I mean, marketing for dummies. That's where I started. The, the pivotal moment in all of this, I, I don't know, a couple weeks in, we were driving across town to meet at an all-you-could-eat sushi. Um, I was not working at the time. I had so I had like twenty-five hundred bucks, and at this time, I think it was whittled down to maybe eighteen hundred. Like I was being frugal. Um, there wasn't a lot of of anything spending money, um, money like not not a lot going on. But we drove across town. We went to an all-you-could-eat sushi. They did all-you-could-eat sushi lunch for twelve bucks. And um, my car at the time was a 2001 Toyota, which still had a tape player in it. One of the things that I checked out of the library was this cassette tape program. 
And I didn't know what it was, but I thought, well, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get across town to this $12 sushi place. I'll take the tape. I'll put, I'll put one of these in. We'll see if there's anything good on. Well, I got to the sushi place and I was on the second side of the first tape and I stayed in the car to finish it. It was that good. Um, and it was on, it was a program called butts and seats by Dan Kennedy, classic direct marketer. Um, where like, if you don't know who Dan Kennedy is, everybody has come from him. Joe Polish, Frank Kern, Russell Brunson, um, Evan Pagan, all the original OGs came from Dan Kennedy and Jay Abraham, the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jay Abraham, Jay Abraham, Jerry, uh, Jay Abraham, Gary Halbert and Dan Kennedy, but Dan Kennedy's inner circle. He was the first person who did an inner circle and they were all in his inner circle. Um, Jay Abraham also, uh, we'll get to his story in a little bit because he actually helped me as well. So I listened to this tape and I was like, you know what? I can do what he's talking about. And it goes back to knocking on doors, right? So I went back. I was like, I ate lunch and I listened to the tape deck driving home. And then I went to the thrift store and I spent like 10 bucks on a tape player because we didn't have a tape player. No one had a tape player anymore, Bought a cheap tape player that I could put in my room. And I took a bunch of notes on this program and I went down to South point casino and I rented another room. Um, it was a $500 deposit, no food and beverage minimum, no hotel block. I rented it for two days. Uh, it was $500 down and the total rental fee was $1,200. So this was like half of what I had left in money, probably less. But I was like, you know what? I can do this. And I went and I used Eventbrite to sell the tickets. Um, but what Dan Kennedy talks about in that book, the book, audio cassette program, was basically going around. And this is, it's what, it, if you know Grant Cardone, this is how Grant Cardone started as well. But Dan Kennedy talks about going around, knocking on doors, and giving 10 minute like little talks about what you're going to cover at the event. I didn't know what I was going to cover at the event. He said, sell to chiropractors or dentists. So I looked up, I literally looked up online, which Las Vegas had more of, and it was more dentists. I remember going to Google maps or some like Google and finding out there were more dentists. I was like, well, dentists it is. So I went around and I literally flyered, walked into dentist's office in Las Vegas and handed them flyer that said, and it was, it's so silly to me. It was uh, internet marketing, how to use internet marketing and social media to grow your business. I sold tickets, um, on the, on Eventbrite, they were 497. If they bought them in the office, I did two tickets for 300 bucks or four tickets for $500. And I filled my entire event knocking on doors. That was the whole thing doing. If you know what donut drops are, you take donuts in because they'll listen to you. They'll give you 30 seconds. If you bring them donuts, Krispy Kreme actually cut me off in Las Vegas. They run coupons that were buy buy one dozen, get one dozen free. And I would go in and buy three dozen donuts. And I would, what I did was then I would take them and I would wrap them on a paper plate with the Krispy Kreme, I would take a bunch of the Krispy Kreme wax paper and make it look like it came from Krispy Kreme, but I would do three or four donuts instead of the dozen. So I'd break them up, but that's how I filled the first event. How, how many seats did you have to fill? 80. So you fill 80 seats. Um, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Seats. I made now- about nine grand. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the story so far? 
Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Well, that's fantastic. And, and um, your, your messaging, I think, was much better. I don't remember what the messaging was from the first event, but oh, yes, it's something about customer service and restaurants, right? I mean, that, that doesn't, I mean, it's not, you're not talking to uh, what we'd say it would call a very strong pain point there, right? I mean, not at all. That's exactly. Right? But, but, and that's that, I imagine that's one of the things that Dan Kennedy's program taught you right away. Well, it did indirectly. So he, so butts and seats is actually a pretty advanced program because most people aren't going to go say, I want to hold an event. What I did was I literally looked at, he didn't, I think there was something in there around pain points, but it wasn't like a direct marketing course. I looked at, it came with some samples. It had a workbook and I literally took one of the pieces and just changed it around. And I was like, internet marketing, um, he did talk about how to find speakers and how to do that. Cause we had, I had four speakers fly in for that event that I paid for their flights. Um, I paid for their flights and hotel. I did not pay them a speaker fee, but we had four people that were doing well in that industry. They weren't, they, so this is what was really interesting. They were dentists themselves. They were not selling a, how to, how to grow your practice course, but they had done well with social media marketing. And I found them, got them to come speak. That was the first event. And that like, I made 9k. I was like, this is great. Dan, then I went to one of Dan's events. And I paid like an extra $200 to sit at Dan's table and you get to ask him a question. So I told him this experience, I thought I was on top of the world. He like literally like looked at me, if you know, Dan Kennedy's grumpy old man, and he called me an idiot. he was just like, you're an idiot. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, and I was like, why? And he was like, you have to sell something. Like the whole point of holding an event is to sell them something. You have a super qualified hot lead. They paid you money to come in a room and listen to you and your speakers sell them something. And I said, well, like naive, right? I was like, I don't have anything to sell. And he was like, build something or sell one of my products and I'll give you 40%. So this ended up me buying the resale rights to magnetic marketing for a year so that I could sell magnetic marketing. I ended up holding another event doing the exact same thing only for chiropractors. So I went around flyer chiropractors and I sold magnetic marketing. Um, that event we ended up, I think we did around 20,000 when it was all said and done between ticket sales and back of the room sales. And I had to give Dan half. Um, and then I, I got smart, right? Like my, the wheels started turning, they were rusty or just like, not like they were made out of wood and like square. They didn't turn real well, but it was like, well, I can build my own, whatever this is. I can just kind of copy it. Like don't steal. I would never say steal. And Dan wouldn't say steal, but I can put my own spin on it because by this time I'm a, I read all the time. I threw out my TV, uh, in the year 2000, we literally had a TV burning party. Um, as part of college. So I didn't have a TV. So I read all the time. So I had read by this point, we were probably, probably nine months into this. I had probably read 50 books on direct marketing. I had listened to some courses. I found a place uh, that I could, um, I found a place that was a library for courses. It has since been shut down, 
which makes me sad because it was a guy who collected all these courses and you had to pay a deposit, but he would send you the course so you could use it. And then you would send the course back. Um, it was like a library, but for courses and it was great. It's no longer available. Um, but I'd gone through some courses. I learned a lot more. So I put together my own little thing and this ended up with me consulting. I did consulting for, I think two or three events. I sold consulting where I would fly to your office dentist and chiropractor, fly to your office, sit down with you, spend two or three days in your business and give you some suggestions. Well, everybody wanted, this was 2015. Everybody wanted Facebook ads. That's all anybody wanted to talk about. Facebook ads, Facebook ads, Facebook ads. Um, so I did what anybody would do. And I started running Facebook ads for people, Facebook ads and Infusionsoft. So Infusionsoft was just getting going. Um, Dan Kennedy was one of their early investors. Um, I believe nobody knows for sure, but I think he owns around 40% of Infusionsoft. He owns a good chunk of it. Um, and so he pushed it on all of us. I became a sort of certified partner with Infusionsoft so I could do build outs. And I started holding more events. I was like, if I can just hold more events. So I was trying to hold one year I held 2015. I think I held five events and I was like, if I can hold 15 events next year, this will go through the roof. Well, like if you've heard the saying, what got you here, won't get you there. That's kind of what happened because at this point now I've got like, I think I had 30 or 35 different email addresses that it's me and two VAs managing. We've got a multitude of websites up, like nothing is well organized. Um, Google drive was around, but it wasn't what it is today. Like I think about it's so crazy. That was just six years ago, seven years ago. Right. Like, but nothing was well organized and the whole machine came to a crashing halt, um, in 2015 when Infusionsoft actually shut me down for spam complaints. And that actually pushed me onto click funnels, um, got me started with Russell and I knew who Russell was. I had read his first book was out. Dot com secrets was out. So this might've been mid 2016. I might be, my dates might be slightly off. Um, but I had read dot com secrets and I looked at click funnels, but I was like Infusionsoft. I'm so plugged in over here. Well, Infusionsoft shut me down. So ended up starting with click funnels. Um, and then I also, in my events, I was getting sick of running Facebook ads for people. Um, so this led to me eventually transitioning out of any of that and just helping people with live events. So the premise of this episode was how do you do one-to-many sales, right? Well, what happened through this, this growth period, I, I held about 40 events total between 2014 and 2018. People started asking me, how do you hold live events? And it's not even how do you hold a live event? It's how do you sell from stage? Because you can hold a live event and put 75, 150, 200 people in a room. But if you're not selling anything, you're not going to make anything. There's a, a delta curve. And you're an idiot. We learned that from Dan. We did. There's a delta curve that happens somewhere around between 100 and 150 people where you, you make you make very much less on tickets because you have more overhead. Now you've got more staff, you've got more lighting, you've got more AV, you've got more stuff going on. So 
somewhere around like 100 to 150 people, you actually make less money than 80 people. And you really have to get over like the 250 mark to really start making money on ticket sales. At that point, you're better off to sell something as well. Like you're always better to sell something. And that's what occurred to me in 2015. And that's when people would come to me and ask about live events. My first question is, what do you want to do with your live event? What's the purpose of it? Um, I remember there was a chef that wanted to hire me and he runs a how to cook online program. It's $97. I think it's $197 and $37 a month continuity, something like that. And he makes some kind of living. I, I think he probably makes a hundred, maybe 200 grand a year. He said, well, I really want to hold an event. I really want to do this. He said, well, what do you want to do at the event? Well, I just want to bring people together. I said, well, you can do that. You're not like, it's going to be a loss leader for you though. Like there, why don't you sell something? He's like, I don't understand what I can sell them. I said, Son, like we can come up with that. People that this is like the core component of any sale. People are buying you. They're not buying the thing that you sell. If they're buying the thing that you sell, you're selling a commodity, give it up. But when you start to put yourself out front and sell yourself, you can charge whatever you want because people are buying that relationship. They're buying the outcome of your relationship, but at the core, they're buying you. That's what selling from stages. That's what selling from a webinar is. That's what selling from a workshop is. Like People who come to a workshop want your direct feedback. They want the outcome that you offer, but more than that, they want you. And the minute you realize this and start putting yourself out, you will start making a whole lot more money. So 2018, we transitioned into helping people build live events and sell from stage. We've done that very successfully uh, for a handful, about nine or 10 clients, um, because it's a lot of work to put on events. So 2018, we held, I want to say three client events. Uh, 2019, we held four, plus I was holding my own events at the same time. Uh, when COVID hit, we transitioned into webinars. I didn't feel confident in doing a virtual event because I didn't know how to do it. I hadn't done one and I'd thrown a ton of stones at them over the years. So we went into webinars, which we've now helped uh, 27 different influencers hold webinars, build their webinar out, help them with conversion. Uh, we're at over 3.6 million in sales as of today. Uh, I looked at the revenue for last month. So doing very well in the webinar space. Now that the world is opening back up post COVID, um, we held our first, I held my first live event. It was a co-hosted event, uh, two months ago, and we're holding another one in September and then one in October. So live events are definitely coming back. People want to be out. Um, that's kind of the story arc. I'm happy to jump into some one-to-many sales tips, tactics, strategies, yeah. what makes it work. So, so let's, let's, um, I want to hear some of the key insights. So you shared so far that um, people want the outcome, but more than that, they want you. And that's almost um, kind of at odds with the whole idea of one-to-many sales, right? I mean, you, you want to do one-to-many sales so that you have leverage in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And at the, uh, on the other hand, you're telling me that people want you, they want your help. So uh, I guess my my I kind of elaborate on that because I'm sure there is no contradiction or there's there are choices that have to be made and just walk us through that. Sure. So, okay. In our realm, coaches, consultants, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when I say coaches, like 
it could be it could be agency owners even it could be anyone who has a mid to high price lifetime client value so client value needs to be reasonable the problem where people scale like with scale is there well there's a couple the ones that I'm going to point to though if you're let's say that you're a health coach how many people can you directly help well if you really want to push it, you can maybe get to 20 people a month or a week in one-on-ones. And that's pushing, right? I mean, that's four people a day that you're meeting with for an hour. If we're, we're saying an hour. Now, sure, you can mess with time, whatever. But I think it's a general assumption. You're going to coach somebody for an hour. If you're meeting with four a day, that's a lot. You're going to be tired. That That's a full workload because you've got the other parts of the business to run as well. So how do you you have a couple things that you can move in there. You can work with people less, you can build a group program, or you can charge more for your time. How do you charge more for your time? You have to have more leads. To get more leads coming in and to scale what you're doing, You like then you can charge more. And people buy celebrity. They don't buy commodity, right? I mean, if you look at you can point to the Kardashians. Um, I don't particularly like them at all, but they're really easy to point to. Billion dollar brand built on nothing more than who she is. That's it. People like companies pay her millions of dollars to do one Instagram. And all she's doing is selling who she is. So how do you do that in your space? If you look at the people who are the biggest in your space, we look at the biggest health coaches out there. What they have done is they have built themselves into a celebrity. What does a celebrity have? They have stories that they tell. They have their legend story, which is what we just went through for me. They have parables, which are small stories that teach what they do so that people understand them. And then they have their mission stories. Their mission stories are what drives them. All of those told create their persona and their legend. They become something that people want to be. And when you have that, people will pay more money for what you do. If you wanted to be, I mean, I don't know, pick, pick like Billy Banks, right? Um, he teaches uh, the jump around aerobic stuff. If you want to go learn from him directly, you can. Last I saw, this was a couple of years ago, but I used him as an example. I don't know why that came up. You can go learn from him. It's $20,000 to spend a weekend with him and get a couple weeks, couple months of follow-up. Well, if you put 10 people in a room paying you that, that's 200K piece. If you want to run a small coaching program, right? If you want to run a group program, you're going to cap how many people are in it and you have a price point. How do you sell though from one to many, right? You need to put together a live event. You need to get in front of people. Celebrity builds when you do that because you're not just up there teaching. You're actually building your legend. You're telling these stories. You're getting people to share them for you. So one-to-many sales allows you to push your price point up because you have a wider audience to go from. The narrower your audience, not narrow in terms of, you know, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a like narrow niche. Not in terms of niche, but in terms of a few options. Yeah. You just, you feel like, well, I don't know who else to talk to. So I'll sell them whatever yeah, that, that's that's a classic sales problem is uh, I'll sell them whatever whatever they want, which of course is a recipe for frustration. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other thing, so I mean, that I don't know if that answers the, oh, that. 
Go ahead. It's good. And, and I also want to go in the direction of uh, stories. I think you have stories at scale. Is that mm-hmm. that .com, right? Um, stories at scale.com, correct? That's one of your sites? Yep. Yeah. So um, so you, you, you break down storytelling into uh, legend story parables mm-hmm. and mission stories. So legend story I get. Uh, that's kind of you know like your origin story, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, mission story, I imagine you refer to the you know the the stories that describe your reasons why you do what you do. I imagine, and parables are what. I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people. One of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Parables are teaching stories. So parables, if you look at, so one of the parables that I tell is think of your favorite high school teacher, high school or college. Think of your favorite teacher. Now think of your least favorite teacher. When you think about your least favorite teacher, they're probably standing at the board. They're probably teaching, teaching, teaching. They're writing, writing, writing. They're giving you a ton of homework. When you think of your most favorite teacher, you think of somebody who probably knew your name, probably was engaging, probably didn't teach as much, but was more fun to be in their class. So I have two questions for you. The first one is, which one do you remember more from? The second one is, which one knew more? Which one taught more? Inside of that story, and I can tell, I, I, when, sometimes when I tell this, I tell my high school story, I tell a little piece of it. If you think about that, what most coaches and consultants want to do is they want to stand up and teach because that's where they feel the most competent. Their ego is saying you have to teach. Well, that a lot of people we're at an eight, nine, or 10 in what we do. Most people coming into our world are at a one or two. If we try to take them from a one or two to a six, seven, eight, we're going to cause a lot of brain fatigue. We're going to put a lot of pressure on them and they are going to shut down because at the end of the day, people respond to what they feel hundred percent. So how do you make them feel good? Teach less. Your job is not to get them from a one or two to a six, seven, eight. Your job is to get them to move baby step from a one to a 1.5 or from a two to 2.5. You do that by being engaging, having fun, telling stories, making them laugh. And that's the difference between your high school teacher that you loved and the one that you hated. When you think about it that way. And and it's a really, you know, that's definitely a very important point because so many people think that if I just show them how much I know, right. If I teach them all this, they're going to come back for more. Um, which is often not true, often right. not true, you know, you know, um, and that shows up in many different ways. Um, I'm just, you know, kind of eliminating various tangents that we could go off on though. Right. So in my head, um, one, one, one thing that, that a lot of people are taught is to have this, you know, like you have a, a tripwire offer, you know, a very low price offer. And there are some people who promote that idea very heavily and others who say, well, when you do that, then uh, most people will not buy more, right? For example, like if you sell somebody for $7 or $100, whatever it is, 
they will they might buy it and if they never go through it or they don't feel like they make progress they don't come back to you for the next step because they figure well i haven't you know i still haven't gone through that instead interestingly enough they go off looking for somebody else's help mm -hmm. and who are they drawn to they're drawn to the one who tells great stories the person who draws them in who builds on their imagination who engages them and leads them forward in a way that actually you know at a pace that works for them that, and, so and that's the person they end up spending the five thousand the ten thousand the fifty thousand dollars with even though you may have done a better job with them what were you gonna say well there's so much to unpack in there um one thing i'll tell you about tripwire so the solution to this and this, when i say this it will make perfect sense it's like what's right in front of everybody's face. Your tripwire should solve one super, super specific pinpoint problem. Right. And it should be consumable. This is the key. Consumable in under 20 minutes. What is one super usable thing that you can teach your audience in under 20 minutes? That should be your tripwire. Because what does that do? It solves all the problems you just laid out because you're 100% correct. It gets them to consume. It gets them to realize that you have a lot more that you can teach them because you should be seeding all the stuff that you can do in that 20 minutes. And it gets them a result. The problem, in the, it's like counterintuitive, but it, it speaks to what we just spoke about. We want to teach. Coaches, consultants, teach, teach, teach. That's what our ego screams. I'm going to give them so much value. Well, value to us, what you're saying in that, the presupposition is that value is heft. It's a 300-page document. It's a free course. That's not what people, people might say they want that, but their actions speak louder than words. They'll buy the, they'll take it because it's there, but then they don't consume it. They don't finish it. So instead, give them one ultra-specific, small thing that pushes them and they they're like oh my goodness like not pushes them but gets them a result that's it and then they can buy more that's a much better that's how a tripwire should be designed um but people let their ego get in front of them i'm going to say what, what you're saying slightly differently mm -hmm. the, the true value is leading people to experience some kind of shift in how they're looking at their situation so that now they have the clarity and the energy to take the next step. Yeah. To move that's... forward, you know? And if you can do that, it's not about how much you know. It's not about how much they might need to know over the next five years. It's just helping people take action because we all get stuck on things that are not real. You know, we, I, you know I'm working with clients on this or that, whatever it might be, starting an alchemy network and so on. And I... I got stuck for myself because you know I think uh, I got trapped in the uh, the expert's curse, right? The curse of the expert, where you assume well everybody knows what I know, so uh, can't be that valuable, right? So, but but over time I've come to realize that actually working with people, I've come to realize that you know I built some some really impressive expertise over the years, and you know I'm able to help a client not not with anything complicated, but a client is you know is at point A trying to get to point B, and they take a step or two or three, and suddenly they have a question, and they can't move forward because they think, well, I don't know how to do this or that, or maybe I can't do this or that. They just need me to kind of 
point them say no you're just you're just standing in front of this uh you're trying to walk wow. through the door the yeah. door is is one foot to the left just you know move over the, that the door is right there now keep walking oh yeah okay got it now they could see the path forward their energy returns their enthusiasm returns their confidence returns and they're able to take that next step forward and that's ultimately what people really want is they want to feel that they're constantly able to move forward towards a dream they want to feel that if they if they get stuck if they don't know what to do next, that have someone they could turn to who genuinely cares about them and has their best interests at heart. And it could be an individual, a coach, it could be a community, um, it, it could be a mentor. So, you know, these are, you know, I think that that absolutely there was a time, you know, in the early days where and, and Dan Kennedy was was big into this, I think, in the early days, although um not sure if, uh, if he changed in this way, but I don't know. You know, there was the, the, the five pound box of stuff, right? We're going to send you all these bonuses, the five pound box of stuff. And there's still a lot of that out there, you know, virtual stuff that will sit on your drive. And sometimes that's effective, but ultimately that's really, you know, uh, I, I think maybe in the beginning, people are more drawn to that because they, they get excited by the learning. But as people to make some progress and they find they're stuck, they come to realize it's not about knowing more. It's about more deeply understanding the things that I already know. And for that, I need conversations with people on my path, you know, a little ahead of me, a little behind me. And that's really the way to learn that. And, and um, you know, that, that goes back to like, what do people really buy? So now when you understand what people really buy, how does, how do you then and then we'll wrap up with this. How do you then kind of infuse that? How do you advise your clients to infuse that into their webinar? Is it, is it the offer? Is it the whole process of the webinar? I mean, I remember you were telling me a story about you're going over a mutual friend of ours webinar and she was already doing well selling. Maybe you've mentioned who it is. I don't know what your uh, agreement there is. Um, so, but uh, you know, and you, you made a list of 20 you something know, points, I think you said, and about areas what is it that you notice? What can you share with us uh, sure. just to take away and, and, and use for ourselves? So this is, this is a great way to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for bringing it full circle. Cause it's the secret here is she's, she's, she does multi-millions per year in yeah, sales. She's great. She's crushing it. What we looked at and what we saw, she had a large audience. She still has a huge audience, right? What we saw though, what I saw and what she immediately saw, one, she's teaching a ton. She, the places where she was building relationship. So in a webinar, if we broke it down percentage wise, you should have about 20 to 25% of the webinar should be the offer. And if you, if you just cringed a little bit, I'm going to go back into what the offer looks like. The offer is actually where you build relationship, not where you just say, buy this, buy this, buy this. We'll come to that in a second. So that leaves 75%. Of that 75%, teaching should be about 25%, maybe less. And it's because what are you doing on a webinar? If you're, you're there to get people to have a reality shift and see that they need something different, you are teaching them, but it is one little baby step. The point of the webinar is not to teach them everything that you know. It is to get them to pivot from looking to their left, take that one step and see the door that they can walk through. 
And that's it. It is to get them to see it and move just a little bit. The offer is where you get to teach them. Once they pay you money, you teach them. So what we did with her webinar specifically was we added her hero's journey story. So the origin story that we went through here, a lot of people's origin stories bounce all over the place. It's not a smooth like story arc that goes from point A to point B to point C to point D to outcome, right? Instead, it bounces all over the place and it looks like a scribble on a piece of paper. People can't follow that. They don't, what people want to see in your origin story is they want to see that you were where they are and that through hard work, determination, and a bit of luck, you overcame the obstacles and you did things the hard way. That, like the Rocky story, every great story, I mean, hero with a thousand faces, right? Every story follows this and we never, ever, ever get sick of hearing it. Every movie in the world follows that same basic premise. Hero had problem. Hero struggled to overcome problem. Hero has great outcome. We love that story. That's and every everybody who is successful in the space has that. Her story was not shown in the correct way. Number one, it was kind of zigzaggy all over the place. Number two, it was not something that she focused on. So we built, she still taught. We toned down the teaching a little bit. So instead of trying to take them from a one or a two to a 10, we were taking them to like a three. And we did it through stories. We embedded pieces that go back to her hero's journey story throughout the webinar so that people felt like they actually knew her because this is, we buy and we spend more money with people that we feel are personally invested in our journey and that care about us. How do we do that? We build it through personal story and personal connection. We added a ton of that into the front end. So when we started working together, her offer was probably 20-ish percent, 25%. She had that about right, but she did not have stories built into her offer. The front half out of the 75%, 60% of it was teaching. So we changed that to be more 50-50. So that 75% was more, you know, probably like 35-40 teaching to stories. Then we also tied those stories. So you use those stories to future pace people into your offer. So you tell and you leave an open loop in the beginning around something that is the closed loop closes in the offer. That gets people to be like, oh man, I see how she did that. I see how you did that in the offer. The offer needs to, so offer should have five key pieces. I'll just be really quick with this. Five key pieces. In those five key pieces, each one should overcome a specific objection and be preceded with a story. That's it. When you do it that way, you will get much better close rates. Um, so we we changed her by quite a bit. Um, the other thing that, so this applies to stage as well. If you think about events that you've gone to, there's that person who gets up on stage and just teaches a bunch of crap, right? They're like, teach, 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 teach. One, you probably feel overwhelmed. You probably get tired because our brain gets shut down when we're overwhelmed. Number two, you probably don't remember any of it. It is much better to be on stage, teach one core thing, and have people learn that and walk away saying, I want to know more about that because then they'll actually get involved. Learning 
you might have a big aha in a moment, but then you have to learn about that for somewhere at least a couple hours before you'll start to implement it. And that's really the change that happens when people buy your program or buy you as a coach. That's where you get to really change people's lives. You know what? Just one one thought on what you said is that um, you know a lot of people don't don't like the typical webinar sales webinar style, and I want to emphasize that um, you could you can effectively do everything that you're talking about um, without sounding like that pitch man or pitch woman that none of us enjoy listening to. Although, well, you know, it's effective in some markets for some people, but what we're talking about is that even if you're hundred percent genuine, as you were, when you organized that first event for the restaurant, you were, you, you come across as completely genuine. Uh, I imagine that's how you were then. Um, even if you're hundred percent genuine, people need to be uh, related to or connected with in a certain way. Uh, otherwise they just don't even hear you. So one, one of the things I, I, I heard this idea a long time ago. Um, it's an observation about why stories are so powerful because stories kind of get, they, they, they're like that secret agent that gets behind our natural defenses mm-hmm. and delivers an idea that you you can't just deliver in the same way as information. You deliver with information. We have all sorts of questions and, and challenges, but you tell me a story and like, huh, okay, I got it. And that's a big part of what the power of storytelling is. And um uh, you know, you so laying that out in webinars in a way that is it's your stories. You know, you're you're looking to say, well, how can I tell my story? How can I get my ideas across in a way that is genuinely me? That's uh, what you're talking about, Steve. It's uh, I, I know I've learned a lot. Really enjoyed uh, getting to know you uh, that much better, and um, I'm sure your audience here on your podcast uh, feels the same way. Where would you want your audience to go as a next step with you now that uh, they've gotten to know you better? I mean, if you guys are not, if you guys haven't picked up my story selling blueprint, um, storyselling.how, S-T-O-R-Y-S-E-L-L-I-N-G dot H-O-W will get you a free story selling blueprint. It'll kind of walk you through what a perfect story looks like and what you should look for and how you can start using it in your business. Um, if you want help with your webinars, death to bad webinars, will get you my webinar template. It'll show you the five biggest mistakes that people make and how to avoid them. Uh, both of those are really good. Um, we spent some time on them. They are easily consumable in under 20 minutes, and they'll get you thinking in the right direction when it comes to those two. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions, like I love this stuff, obviously. Uh, you can always reach out to me. Uh, there's contact info in the show notes. Dove, I want to say thank you so much. Um, I want to say thank you so much for interviewing me and taking time to do this. This has been super fun, kind of turning the camera around a little bit on me. Um, my pleasure. I, likewise. Awesome. Well, to everybody listening, until next time, take action, change lives, and make money, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, 
grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.